the story, the story, yeah. the story. We buy into stories we did from day one. Listen to the story, but then break it down and see what's actually real. It's all packaging. It's all a game. And now I understand how to play it. This company was my biggest win, even though it was my biggest failure, because it made me understand how to be even more self-reliant. Just let people explain their stories, understand that it doesn't matter where you're from and what the experiences are. We need to hear each other. Hi, my name's Ella McChrystal. Welcome to The New Mind. Today's guest is my very good friend, Scott McKenzie. Now, Scott's come all the way over from New York today to be on the show. So I just want to thank him first. Hi, Scott. Peace, Queen. How are you? I'm fine as wine. How are you doing? I'm very well. Now, I, I must also let people know of your 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 new alias or nickname, which is Sugar Daddy Scotty. Yes. Okay. And that's how people can actually find you on Instagram as well, isn't it? Yep. Sugar Daddy Scotty TV. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Why? Why are we Why are we Sugar Daddy Scotty TV? My friend, who's actually um, Bob Marley's granddaughter, me, me and her for years always just had like a playful relationship. We never did nothing sexually. No. We just have that type of relationship. Yeah. And it, I always take care of her and stuff. So she, was, she called me Sugar Daddy Scotty. She said it one time I said I like that I'm gonna keep I'm gonna use that and then I was playing with it for a while and then yeah I was like you know what I, it I'm sticks. Go with it. Uh, then I went on Fiverr and got the logo done aha uh-huh. as a joke uh-huh. and then I was like I like the logo right, <laughs> yeah, it's I'm quite cool with this well, also, it's good colors. I'm, I'm down with the purple, yeah. so you know that. I've got it all around us. So yeah. I, I love I love the fact that you've got this, because I actually met Scott as Great Scott McKenzie. Yes. So, uh, you can still call me that. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm still going to call you that, because that's how I know you. You're still Great Scott to me. You always will be. Now, uh, Scott's a very good friend of mine, and yes. I always say to Scott, you're like family to me, yes, because we've had some deep, deep conversations. Yeah, yeah. The reason for that is Scott is number one, like this pop psychologist and he's he's I've, I've said it before he's a like cultural guru for me i'm i'm not that cool uh, but scott tells me stuff that keeps me down with the kids so i always <laughs> love talking to scott because it keeps me really relevant and fresh i have a 15 year old daughter so that's really yeah. important to know what's going on in that kind of space but also you're just really interesting you retain information like no one else. You've got this photographic memory for really interesting stuff, but you're also really entrepreneurial and you're in this kind of business space doing so many different things. And I kind of wanted to just share you with the world because quite frankly, for me, you've been such an inspiration. I wouldn't have written my book had you not have said, Ella, why don't you write a book? And I was like, me? And then I wrote a book because you suggested it oh, truly like some of the stuff you were saying to me about and then obviously um recently as well i had my uh my therapy method mm. trademarked and registered and again that really was something that i learned from you like yeah. own everything because when you own everything mm. you're in charge of your own life that's right so i owned property i owned the clinic that we're sitting in now the studio right. but then scott made me realize about the digital side of things like own everything yeah. so this is why Scott's here because one, he's got an, some amazing stories. Uh, you won't actually believe some of the stories coming from this guy, but also like a real kind of, I don't want to say rags to riches, but that kind of, you yeah. know, elevation. Yeah. yeah. And 
also just just some of the stuff you know, the cultural stuff, the music industry, so on and so forth. So we're going to have a great time today. Yes. Right. So Great Scott, tell me about Great Scott first. So we know Sugar Daddy Scotty now, but yeah. what? tell me about Great Scott. Where's that come from? Okay. I was born in Newark, New Jersey. My mother was born in England, mm-hmm. um, but left at like four years old. My grandmother told me um, before she died, she told me that Hitler, they thought Hitler was going to take over England. So they took a boat to back to America, uh, to America. My mom met my father. I'm born during the crack era, 1985 AC after crack. And the <laughs> crack, the crack era nice. was, a, was a big deal. Everybody was either selling it or doing it. So my father's side was mainly on drugs. And then my mother's side was, you know, robbers, murderers, rapists, all types of stuff. It was just crazy. But, you know, it's, it's our normal at that time. But Pablo Escobar was really running the world at that time. As that is doing his thing, hip hop is emerging at that time. And uh, I'm only 20 minutes from New York. But in general, like back in the day, uh, Tupac used to be around because the outlaws are from where I'm from. I was I was born in Newark, but raised in East Orange, New Jersey. They're from the Oranges. There's Newark, East Orange, South Orange. And then um, Eminem, he used to be out there a lot too. So as you're growing up, all these people are basically all around you. Is this what you're saying? Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. And and then I lived down the street from the Fugees as they were recording their first album back in the day. American Blacks were like racist towards immigrant Blacks. So if you were Haitian, Jama- I'm Jamaican, Haitians, Jamaicans, and um, and Africans. They used to call the Africans African booty scratcher. And for all my people that know, HBO, Haitian body odor. So we all stuck together. That's how we met Wyclef side and his yeah. families and stuff. And then um, they were recording the score and stuff. And Killing Me Softly blew up. I mean, there's more to it, but long story short, Killing Me Softly blows up. They become a big thing. And this is my first take of what the outside world looks like outside of New York, New Jersey. Yeah. So they're down the street. They've recorded this phenomenal album that everybody's heard of, or at least most people have heard of it. And you're kind of around them as they're as they're building this profile and building their their yeah. well, it's not even fame, is it? But it is, but it was they were cultural icons at the time. There was something really different about them and fresh about them at that point in time. Well, hip hop was blowing up. Low key. And I'm skipping some stuff. Like example, during that little time too, my mother was uh, a dancer. She used to be a dancer. Puffy, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, Sean Combs, he started off as a dancer. Yeah. And they met in clubs. While she's dancing, she also became a model because back then casting directors would look for look for people to be in music videos in the club. Yes. And then she got booked. And then they would say, oh, do you know people bring them to the video shoot? Uh-huh. And then that turned to her being like, well, if I'm doing your job, I might as well take your job and become a casting director myself. Yes. But within all that, Puffy's at Uptown and he's with Andre Harrell. And then he has Biggie. He has Craig Mack. He has, um, I forgot who else, Heavy D, all these artists back in the day. And then he got fired. And then he said, look, I'm going to start my own stuff. You know, who want to come with me? And my mom was like, let's go. I'm with you. I'm with Bad Boy. Let's do it. And then he got a deal with Arista Records and Clive Davis. Clive Davis discovered Whitney Houston. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Many people. Anyway, then um, my mom became the casting director of Biggie Smalls' One More Chance. That was her first paying casting job. Yeah, Biggie Smalls' One More Chance. And then, and then she worked with Bad Boy for like, even after Biggie's death, everything. And then, um, and she also worked at Death Row. 
So anyway, you know, back then it was, of course, a much smaller community because it was in the beginning yeah, stages. Yeah, yeah. So everybody knew everybody. And I was yeah. just a young kid around all this stuff, not really understanding what I'm around either because... You know, it's not it's not until hindsight, like 20, 30 years later, we look back at those times like now they're making movies about it. Well, yeah, because you're just a kid as well. So as a child, like this is just your norm. You're you these people around you, you know, they're doing something. But, you know, we can't understand that fully as children. We just go with the flow. We we understand there's something maybe a bit special about these people because the way they talk or the way they act or whatever. But now these are icons. These are people that will always go down in history as the best of the best. So you are growing up really seeing these people, experiencing these people on some level and your mum is working with them and and chilling with them and hanging out with them. So that just gives you a whole different, as an adult anyway, a whole different perspective on life. It doesn't matter that, you know, that wouldn't necessarily have been the most financially rewarding time because the things that you're picking up the mindset that you're you're observing and, and absorbing is obviously going to then shape who you become as an adult. Yeah. Um, so talk about the great Scott thing, actually. So your dad's, yeah, no, it's okay. I'm good at this stuff. This is what therapy is all about, weaving it all in. Not that you're having therapy, but you know yeah. what I mean. It's what I do. So we go back to uh, the great Scott thing because your dad, you know, like you say, he met your mum at, at that point in time, that crack era. But he didn't stick around, did he? Yes. So, yes. So, so she told me, well, I spoke to him too. I found him later in life. They had a two year relationship. They were only 16, 17. And then, um, she got pregnant and he didn't want a baby. And she said she didn't either. She said, the only reason I had you is because I didn't have enough money for an abortion. Wow. She's just being honest. (laughs) So boom. And then I was born. And then when I found him, I got his side of the story. Yeah. He said he was stressed out. A baby was a big responsibility. He was a kid. He didn't. Yeah, he was a kid, and 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 he didn't want to be involved, and he just left in the middle of the night, and she never heard from him again. Wow. At that time, and his name was also Scott McKenzie, right? Well, yeah. When, when she met him, yeah, his name was Scott Spears. Ah, Scott Spears. Um, because I got her last name. I see. Um, Sorry, yeah. my bad. No, it's okay. Because yeah, people always be like, "Why you got? Why you got your mother's last name?" Yeah, his. But he kept changing his name a lot, and she told me like she always found that like. Like he had an identity crisis. She ah, okay. Because he changed his name like four times, and in the times that I would sporadically find him, it was always a new name. Wow, that's interesting. For that reason, actually, I never asked him why he used, always did that. Well, yeah. what we do know is that you you uh, took on the name Great Scott because yeah. there's you wanted to be greater uh, than my father. Yeah, Scott. yeah. And, and later that, in life, I took that name. Yeah, that's right. And so we. We we meet at the time when you're using the name Great, Great Scott, Scott on yeah. on social media, and you were you were really I don't even know how many years ago it was now probably like twelve twelve thirteen fourteen maybe even years ago now that we met actually on social media. Yeah. You were managing uh, Michael K. Williams' account at the time. Yeah. Michael K. Williams is from The Wire. He yeah. played Omar. He was in various different things 12 yeah. years a slave he had a small part in that he was also in when they see us he was yeah. also in lots Damn. of other things and he was a dancer as well wasn't he he'd met yes, your mother that way yep. yeah yep. so you were working for michael k williams who's sadly no longer with us and tupac discovered him but in the mix my mother too everybody so she's meeting involved. all these people and then you're you end up either working with these people being friends with these people and 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 having like some kind of connect with these people later on as well. So as a young boy then, um, your mum must have been working quite a lot because that industry isn't like your nine to five, go to the office, no. finish. So what does that mean for you as a young 
boy growing up? Well, yeah, my mom was always on tour or just on the road. My grandmother really raised me most of those times. But that was good for me because I, I, I have a different level of respect for like female entrepreneurship. Yeah. Maybe like some men, especially like within girlfriends, they want the woman home, cook, clean. Of course. Especially more back then. So no, I, I believe women are as equal to men and, and, and you can especially make money more more money than men because at that time, you know, it was mainly men making most of the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even I in mean, the business. Of course. She but, was doing something completely different, really, raising I, I, you alone. I don't want to tell her her business. I think though her day rate like starting was three thousand dollars. Nice. Which was really good for the nineties. Yeah. And now, to be honest. Yeah, definitely now too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know what casting directors get now back then. Cause she did the Dave Chappelle show. She did um she did a few movies and a few TV shows, but Notorious is one. Yes. Um the Os the Bl- the blind side, which won an Oscar. She did she did that as well. She casted the principal football player for Sandra Bullock. Wow, wow, so, wow, wow. Yeah. And she she did she cast for The Wire as well? N- no. Right. Um she That's, just knew everybody from she the just wire. knew. It's just like it's a small community. Everybody knew everybody. So the wire for me, and yeah. I know that you know quite a few yeah. personally know quite a few people from that show. I know like, most of the black people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All of the black people, yeah. not most of them. <laughs> no, I don't know it yourself, but I never met him. Oh right, okay. But but personally I have a relationship with like Tristan, Jermaine Especially the kids by season four. Banger. And Michael B. Jordan, of course. Actually, I never met Michael B. Jordan. But my, he, my he started there. Don't know him. Yes, he did. Yeah. But so, we don't know him. No, which is which is a shame. But he's from my city. I know he is. Yeah. So if you ever meet him, I'm the first to know. <laughs> you know, me and my mom met him, but I, I don't, I've never met him before. No. Well, the thing is, is that whichever way you look at it, Sorry, that yeah. show was the best. Apart from, there's two, well, three, Oz. Which some people oh, may never man. have seen. I, yeah, I love um, that. That show for me is one of my all-time favorites. The Wire yeah. and obviously Breaking Bad as well, which is there's nothing mm. to do with with you necessarily. But those three shows for me will always, yeah. always, always, always be the best three shows of all time. But The Wire for me, I think it just just pulled at every single heartstring. It just got me in every single way. And then when we started talking and, you know, I knew that you were so involved with these people, I was like, yes. who is this guy? Uh, and and actually there's so much more to you than that because your mind from all these experiences and all these people is so different. And that's why I say cultural guru, because you've had these different people around you, which does give you this different impression. And like you say, your mum's away touring. So you're brought up by your grandmother, which means that I think you were, is it fair to say very self-sufficient from a very young age? Like when I first would come to New York at 12, let's say like 10, 11, 12, the one specific time she just left me. Her thing was like, I'm not repeating myself to you. You know, my mom's training was like um Ray Charles. When Jamie Foxx played Ray and the mother knew the child was going blind. Yeah. And she was like, you know, the world is not going to be um soft on you. It's going to yeah. be even harder because you're blind. I don't know if you remember the movie. Yeah. And he would have flashbacks like when it came to like the money. And that's yeah. why he always went in singles because people were still. And the mother was training him for that. And, and that's needed, especially when you grow up in the hood and like The Wire is the real reality of Baltimore. Maybe one day you'll go and see. Yeah, it yeah. It still is like that. Yeah. Nothing has changed. You know, Baltimore, Detroit, Compton, parts of Miami, of course, Newark, Philly. These are like treacherous. Chicago, yeah. they're number one. Like treacherous um, hoods. And um, I grew up in that, you know, being in the projects and stuff. And But that's why I've, I grow with hip hop and the music business and stuff because this was like the first industry that that it made billionaires it made you can be a millionaire overnight and that's why everybody's 
I'm, I'm not a rapper. I'm, I'm the executive side of stuff. Yeah, media executive. That's really important to say, actually, that I've introduced you with the nickname first. And actually, we yeah. should probably say you are a media executive as well. We're talking about, you know, your history and the people that you're around and the reality of life for you at that point. Mm. And that actually what you've carved out for yourself is a completely different, well, for most people listening, mm. a completely different way of life. Mm. Most people listening are going to have their own kind of creativity or business ideas or yeah. whatever, but you've kind of done so much, which is what is so interesting about you. And, and, and again, I said earlier about your mind, you just absorb information. You've got this photographic memory. And when I visited New York and and, you know, Scott's kind of walked me around the streets of New York. He's like, tells me a million facts about each part of New York because he just retains information. He's, he's, he's like a historian and he should be like the best tour guide ever. But that's no, that's no disrespect. It's because you know everything about everything. And, and I think that, you know, looking at you growing up and having quite a harsh experience, but like, you know, you say culturally very normal you become quite resilient and quite tough and quite self-sufficient early on as a result of the way that your mum had to parent you as, as at that point in time, she's touring a lot. She's a single parent and she's basically saying to you, Scott, this is reality. You've got to get with the program and I'm not, I haven't got the time to repeat myself to you. So you've yeah. got to learn and you've got to learn quick. Yeah. So at that point, you know, are you sort of taking yourself to school? Are you having to do things on your own at a time and it may be in a space where it wasn't always safe to do so. Yeah. So I'm, I'm an only child. School was like prison. And, you know, my, my first, my first day of high school, I went to East, I went to the original East Orange high school and um, I seen a teacher get thrown out of class. I seen these students jump a teacher. That was just day one. And then I seen like, um, when I was growing up, the bloods and the crips were just, becoming like a, a nation thing. It, it, it wound up growing out of, out of California because Suge Knight would come to different places. Every story you hear about him is true. Yeah. He would come to different places and he was like putting in the brains of young black kids, you know, you, you want to do all this gang stuff, whatever. Anyway, so I wanted to escape that and that's why I started being next to the Fugees and how I wanted to get into businesses. One day I was sitting at the Booger Basement and the, the CEO of Sony Music came. I don't know if this is the day they got signed. I don't know. I know he, he this white man came in a limousine and back in the day, limousines was a big thing. <laughs> yeah. And we were playing pick my car on the porch. And then next thing you know, I was like, oh, this limousine's coming back here. We ran to the backyard. Wow. And I said, I got to ask this guy what he do. He must have a lot of money. <laughs> and I said, excuse me, sir, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm the CEO of my own company, kid. <laughs> Like smoking a big cigar, very stereotypical, like yeah. executive looking thing. And I said, can I sit in your limousine? He said, sure. And he told the driver, give me a Pepsi and stuff. And I said, I don't know what a CEO is, but I'm going to be one because <laughs> he got a limousine. This is Love fabulous. It. And he's driving in the hood in a limousine. So anyway, that 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 parlayed me into the into like the start. So going back to now high school and stuff. After school, I would go to New York by myself, catch the bus. I go to New York and... Just walk around, just try to get in something, you know. And it took me maybe like four years before I developed any relationships. I'm getting taller. Yeah. And that's how I started. I started modeling of stylist, a GQ stylist, but I didn't do GQ. She, I was walking down the street. She was like, oh, I need a model for, for a shoot tomorrow. It was for a Japanese magazine. 
And this is how I parlayed into Pharrell. Boom. Just dropping it in there. Just Pharrell. No big deal. I was like, yeah, I started working <laughs> on Pharrell Williams. You know, y'all know him for Happy. The, I, I didn't realize how popular that Happy song was. Oh, over here, it's ridiculous. Well, 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 even he has, as he said in an interview recently, how most people don't know him for nothing in the past. Well, NERD is how I, I knew Pharrell. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That's all like de- demolished. It's Happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, but, yeah, so I, I modeled for this magazine. Oh, and I was also working at Radio City Music Hall. Which is, f- f- if no one's been to New York, if this is yeah. one of the things that you'll always, you'll definitely see over and over again. Yeah, Radio City Music Hall and Madison Square Garden, both owned by the same person, yeah. Bob Dolan, and his parent company is called Cablevision. And that's how I would start doing production with Madison Square Garden and then Radio City. Because sometimes if Madison Square Garden was short of staff, they uh-huh. would send us to Madison Square Garden. So, so you were starting off uh, modeling. You get you get scouted on the street because you're this handsome guy walking around trying to make his way. Yeah. Someone says, whoa, this is a beautiful man. I yeah. want you for a shoot. You have this shoot. Yeah. And then this is your first kind of, ooh, I, I could do something here. School's a bit rubbish. So I'm walking around trying to find my way. Yeah. Modeling comes up. Yeah. And this is the beginning of you then getting the doors opening or, or opening the doors yourself, probably having yeah. to fight quite hard to Radio City Hall and Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And so this is where your brain, you've had this experience in the limousine. You, school's not great, probably quite violent, whatever. Not whatever, but you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Uh, you are then scouted, opening doors, boom, we're into yeah. a different way of life. So you've experienced a different way of life to begin with. And now you've got a taste of that as a small child. So now you want more. Yeah. And New York was showing me more. And New York wasn't, nobody judges anybody. Nobody cared. I mean, to, to show you the violence in my school, I witnessed a gang member stick his knife up somebody's rectum. Wow. And rip him up to his neck. And that was a regular day in my I school. I mean, that's, that's, that's insane. And, and there's worse What stories. does that do to you when you see that? Like, how old are you at that point? This is high school, 14, 15, 16. And, I, mean, I mean, for me, if I see that, that that's trauma mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. Clinically, that yeah. is trauma. For you, is that just kind of like, oh, well, that's just another day at school? Well, when you're in it, it's very normal, yeah, because you're so used to that type of violence in the hood all the time. When I first got with my girlfriend, right, I told her about a gang in my town. It was, it was called FBI. It stands for Female Bitches Incorporated. I know that sounds so stupid. <laughs> and it is stupid. Um, <laughs> but these women, they they killed men. You know, they killed people. And I'll never forget, they stabbed my friend. I was with him. We were walking in the hallway. And um, it was it's like it was like prison. Like, they, they literally caught him so fast. He didn't even catch it. And next thing you know, we looked at him. We saw him go. And he just, and then he put his hands on the wall. And all the blood was on the wall. He's like, oh, snap. And they throwing up their gang sign and they run. And then I seen per- in person another time, the FBI, they um, slit this girl's throat. She beat a girl in a fair fight. And then they, you know, they they grab her from behind, choke out, grab her arms. And then the girl that she beat up, they gave her the razor. Because back in those days, they used to do a thing called the buck. They still do it. Called the buck 50. You take a razor and you slice somebody from the, like Michael K. He yeah, got, yeah, he got yeah. A buck 50. Yeah. He got two because they had slit, slit his throat. Yeah. But he's but- so dark, you can't see that. Yes. And then they slit his face. Yeah. Yeah, so they they slit her throat and screamed. I mean, they, they grabbed her by the, the the girl who got beat up went and then she. I remember when she came back to school, she survived it. Then that scar was crazy, and I just I felt so sad for her because she was so beautiful. But let me just pause here. This is so, what I mean. 
Um, no, don't apologize. But I'm pausing here for a reason because I introduce you and I say, this guy's got so many stories. Mm. Like we've only just started oh, yeah. and we're talking about superstars. We're talking about, you know, murders. We're talking about Pharrell. Yeah. This is, this is what I mean about Scott, everyone. Like this guy has had a lot of very varied multifaceted experiences in life and this is before he's even really got into the world of media exec that he is now like we are talking about just severe trauma oh yeah but yeah. you're but you're you're quite disassociated from it i think because again it's a day-to-day thing for you at that point in time and if you don't if you don't carry on and just keep your head up and just keep going then you're going to you're going to fall you're going to crack and so you was there a time, Scott, where witnessing all these things, the, the contrast as well? And I know, I know that we know, like Suge Knight, you referenced there, and Tupac and Biggie, and yeah. there was always something going on there in terms of violence or whatever. We know you were around these people and seeing this world, but then you're seeing this contrast of just people getting stabbed up, people getting this, you know, yeah. throat slit. What what does that do to your mind? I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand that resilience is a very wonderful tool, but there's a level where it's kind of like, is this a bit too much for someone to cope with? What happened to you? How did you how did you keep going? What was the thing that you, I guess, pulled on? You know, that strength or that 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 passion. How did you keep going with all of that? Well, off my head. So w- within the Fujis, I grew up more. With Wyclef's family. Yeah. And I always looked at his family as an escape from all of it. Because you're still friendly with him now, aren't you? Yeah, like, yeah the still whole family. A, yeah. When he moved to a better part of life, I would do my best to like always want to sleep at his house or yeah. Jerry Wonder's house or um, Renel Duplessis' house, somebody else's house, but just not not be in my area because my area was bad. My, my home was bad. I mean, I got, yeah, I, it's not even stories. It's, it's just such a reality for everybody. Cause I've been kidnapped. I've been molested, all this stuff, whatever, but I'm not unique. Most of my family died of AIDS. My father's side died of AIDS because from sharing needles, uh-huh. but all my friends, they lost their parents, everything during those times. But this is collective so, trauma. Yeah, so that's what I'm kind of saying. Like this, this, this experience that you're having is collective trauma. You, you mentioned the crack era at the start and you know, this, this was a, a, a norm, like you say, it was a normality. It was a reality and it was day to day for everybody, but it is collective trauma. And so within collective trauma, there are behaviors and adaptions that the brain makes and then cultural norms that, that are, are created, I guess, out of that collective trauma. And I suppose it's only with, this is why these conversations are so important because it's only when you start to look at other people's lives as you get a bit older and you go, what? Mm. You didn't see any violence. You didn't experience abuse at all. You know, you didn't have to to get yourself to school. You didn't have to witness someone at school being stabbed up in front of you. You didn't get kidnapped. You didn't get molested. What? You know, and then people are like, yeah, actually, Scott, although that's your reality, in relative terms, it is not normal. But what is? And that's the question, is it? This is why this podcast showcases so well, because we're looking at everybody's life so far and we'll continue to do so. And there's no such thing as normal, but we are all human and we all need to hear each other and understand each other and, yeah. and be there for each other. So, so you're living this crazy normality, reality, collective trauma. As I travel, right? And I've been to Mexico and I'm from Jamaica. and You've traveled a lot. I've traveled a lot. You've done Europe a lot as well, haven't you? Greece, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amsterdam, all sorts. I've been to Palestine. And yeah. Stuff. Oh, yeah, and you have. Yeah. I want to say like, example, like in Mexico, their violence is, 
I could think I went through stuff, but their violence is another level, especially yes. with the cartels. Yes. My girl has had her cousins beheaded and the head melt to the mother. Anything you see like on Netflix, Narcos and all that, that is not over-exaggerated. Actually, my girl's um, brother-in-law works at the Pentagon and they said, um, and this was more when ISIS was doing all that production yeah, of burning yeah. people alive and stuff. They said that um, I, all the terrorists learn how to do what they do from the cartel. Wow. That's how much the cartel influences yeah. just some um, um, interrogations and yes. stuff like that. So I was like, and and yeah, he he was he goes in more about like Ecuador and El Salvador and South America, Brazil. These yeah. places are all dangerous, you know. But sometimes, you know, I, I have come to terms where people live either you haven't been through too much of that or you've been through a lot of that. Yeah. I, I very rarely meet somebody in the middle. Yeah. Of that type of, no matter where you're from. Because in Chicago, it's, it's every day. And we talk about kids, kids killing kids. Well, you, yeah, you've referenced Chicago often to me <laughs> as like, like so violent. 40 murders a day on average. Yeah. Like every day. Every I mean, day. that's just, it's mind blowing for someone from a little old town Northampton, mm. you know, not far from London, but still it's, it's, and you know, we were talking actually, as you came in, weren't we saying there's been three, three knife crime murders in Northampton of, of, of late. And we were saying, oh my gosh, this is crazy for Northampton. This is awful. And Someone is. was just killed last night. But for you, what are the, the places you've visited and the experiences you've had, again, not actually that abnormal. So it is all relative to your experience. And that's why I talk about that collective trauma, because I think it's really important to reference that and to see how those cultural norms are developed yeah. as a result of that. And this is why we're all so different in the terms of cognitive biases. You know, our psychology is very different as a human race because we've all had these different experiences. And I think it's so important to just hear people, just let people explain their stories, understand that it doesn't matter where you're from and what the experiences are. We need to hear each other. We just need to be really open and understand that things like racism, things like misogyny, things like sexism, you know, whether it's uh, things like disability as well, we have to hear each other. But then listening to your story so far, I'm like, oh my God, we haven't even got into the juicy bits. You know, mind you, being kidnapped and molested is fairly juicy, but you know what I mean? We haven't even got into the biggest part of your adult life yet. So you are kidnapped and molested. Yeah, those things have happened and people have died. I I had a friend recently, not recently, this was years ago, but he was found in half, cut in half. Wow. Um, but that's just the nature of the street life. I'm in, I'm not in it, but you, you, you're guilty by association. That's yes. why somebody came at me more than once. And I've, I've had home invasions. They are real. Actually, I still suffer from that. That's why I can't sleep. I still can't sleep. Properly. When you talk about home invasions, for those listening that don't know what a home invasion yeah. is, just to explain that a little bit for well, me. Well, home invasions, to be clear, in the in the America is normally like a West Coast thing. Right. Because just the way their houses are formatted, like in L.A. and stuff, like, it's just more simpler to do it over there. That's not really where I'm from, but during the drug era and my uncle, I told you my uncles were murderers and stuff, whoever they had killed, um, those people wanted revenge. They kidnapped a few people. I wasn't the only one. Yeah. Um, and thank God nobody told or, or anything, you know, but yeah. And in this case, it was a home invasion. The door got kicked in, tied me and my granny up. And and I wasn't the only kid that went to this. A lot of kids went to this. How old were you at the time? Well, probably 12. Oh my gosh. But it's, listen, I'm, I'm so grateful. I don't know if you've ever seen Paid in Full. 
No. It's Cameron, Mackay Pfeiffer, and um, Wood Harris. Wood Harris played Avon. Right. And, uh, and long story, that's based on a true story. Yeah. And the point is that when I watched that film, when it came out in what, 2000, and they killed that boy, and they, they I don't know if you, you see this here, but they they started, and this this really happened, they cut the finger off and then they melted to the to one of the characters and then they cut his hand off and then wow. they cut, and, and they was telling them yeah you could find his hand in, in this mcdonald's in harlem there's a i watched that scene like that could have been me yeah i'm so grateful and his own uncle killed him wow because he knew that the nephew had money and he just wanted the money and that was his little brother that's his that's his uncle that's how treacherous things are you know but i won't go to what you said about the world being mad and as i've gotten older i always i feel like life is like the matrix in the sense of like your neo and and as you get older, you, you get exposed to the truth because it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all yes. a bunch of BS from, yeah. in, in every aspect of life. You know? Yeah. But what what I've came to terms with is like, how do I show people the dark arts of of, of livelihood? Because you know, it's it's all it's all a lie, and, and and that's there for a reason to keep you down. However, we want to look at it, and you have to do your best to um, learn how to play this game of chess. You know, actually, it's not even chess; it's really Monopoly. And um, if you understand that. You will survive. So where did you learn that? So where did you start to think, okay, I've got to play this game of Monopoly now? Because obviously, again, your exposure is slightly different to some people, of course, but uh, in childhood, but you, you start to realize I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to navigate this system here. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to get these jobs because you're working in Radio City Hall and you're, you're doing some stuff at Madison Square, the gardens, and you referenced Pharrell earlier. Okay. So how how did you work for Pharrell for his brand? So to give time reference, I'm 37 now. Yeah. And then I worked with Pharrell like around 20 when I was like 20. It was like 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, those years. Yeah. And at this point, you know, he was just blowing up. Like I said, I'm skipping a lot of my story, but I got an internship with Billionaire's Boys Club, the fashion line. And then- that is that his- yeah, that's his that's fashion, his fashion line. Line. Okay. With his partner, Nigo. Nigo owned Bathe Ape at the time, for those who were in fashion. I, know. I, I wanted to be next to him because I knew he was going to change the landscape of fashion, especially not just for hip hop, but the culture, the category of fashion. Is he one of the first men in music at that level to start looking at fashion? Or was there, was there people before that were doing big brands, you know, hip hop stars, music stars of, of that era? So to me, he's the first to up the taste levels of it because okay. Billionaire's Boys Club was selling for so much money. Now, you, the average, at least in America, the average kid is wearing a thousand dollar shoes, a thousand dollar t-shirt. Yeah, you know, and that's regular to them. Yeah, I'm not back in my day, but Pharrell was the start of that. Pharrell was on Richard Milley and and Ardu Mars and stuff before it was cool. And yeah, he, there's videos to prove it, and there is no Virgil at Louis Vuitton. Without Pharrell Correct. opening that yeah, door, yeah, because he was the first to collab with Virgil. Those high end brands went, would collab with no rappers back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, Dapper Dan. I don't know if you know Dapper Dan yeah. from Harlem. He he got a cease and assist. He he said he lived underground because you know they tried to lock him up. Yeah, um, Fendi and all these brands. So Pharrell was able to set the spark the seed, and now look, Domino Effect. Years later, he's he just got hired as the creative director. It's um, crazy. That was announced like two months ago, and June will be his first fashion show because you know Virgil passed away. Yes. So with all that being said, like I want to be with Pharrell because I saw just like the Fuji's, I was like, nah, this this guy's gonna take this game to another level and open the doors. And and that's how we helped change 
the madness and all the craziness going on in the world is like, how do you get with people and, par- and partner with an Ella, partner with whoever that can make this world a better place? And not, um, so you you're in at the the beginnings, not necessarily the, the beginning beginning with Pharrell, but certainly at the the first with the fashion brand I'm with the fashion brand, yeah. yeah. So you are there seeing this new wave actually happen in front of your eyes and you're on uh, there's pictures of you in various different places but you know you you've done a lot of uh, modeling from that that era as well and actually scott what was this what's up uh, (laughs) everything's happening all at the same time so it might seem like me like the modeling pharrell because when i was for us i had four jobs i still was working at radio city music hall Another place named Kid Robot. But you, I, I you were busy. Jobs. You were just, you were just, entrepreneurial. You saw that you had to be fingers well, in all eyes. Yeah. Somebody could be a bartender, and I mean, in, in New York, everybody's just doing everything, whatever you can to. So just, I said, my mother's literally working at Bad Boy because because you're an independent contractor to an extent. Yes. Bad Boy, Death Row, and then still doing like jobs like Britney Spears and stuff, and it all just works the way it works. It's hard to explain because New York is like that. Yeah, it's just different. It's a different, everybody just a different do vibe. Yeah. Everybody's just trying to hustle. They're not even hustlers. Like, you know, just in the culture. and That's how it works. It, it could be a random day. <laughs> because, and and so then, you know, you've got all these exposures. And I know that what we're doing now, actually, this podcast, you were kind of doing stuff like this. I've seen clips on, on YouTube, old clips, and you were being interviewed sitting on a bench outside somewhere <laughs> with someone. Yeah. You were always in this space, like that media space was kind of, what you did and what you knew. So you work with Pharrell, you're doing all this stuff, Radio City Hall and your your fingers in pies. So what's the next step for you? And and kind of what, at that point in your 20s, yeah. what have you taken from those harsh experiences as well as from this taste of this life, this media life that you love so much? What, what kind of lessons have you learned at that point? Because in your 20s, we're still babies at that age. Yeah, definitely. So, so I was a part of the unintentionally the early days of being a social media influencer. Yeah. While I'm working for Rel, you know, it's tons of opportunities that came with them. Yeah. And then, um, and working with Michael K. Williams. Yes. And stuff. So, uh, MySpace, the end of MySpace, yes. turning to Facebook was that's coming right. Out. That's right. And then, um, companies were paying me to like per post. Like yeah. I was getting ninety dollars per post. Yeah, and I mean now this kid's getting like sixty thousand, seventy thousand. Yeah, but nobody was doing that then. Like you were one of the first to be doing that kind a of part stuff. Part of those kids, yeah. Yeah, because um, I was also a stylist. So because I was the next to like Kid Cudi, Wale, Tiana Taylor, who's now a movie star. Um, I'm trying to think, it was popping back then. All these acts that were coming up. I wound up being next to them and brand saw that and was like, so Reebok became a sponsor. I wound up doing marketing for Reebok, and then they would just give me like a monthly retainer to give out free clothes. Cause I yeah, I remember sense. you were just giving stuff away for free. I was like, how do you even get into a space where you're giving stuff away for free? But obviously that's how, it, again, it's it's going on now on social media yeah. much, much more, but th- that was not really well known at the time, that kind of thing. You were, again, at the beginning of that kind of movement. Yes. Well, so I, it's not nobody's fault. We, all, I was young and they were living their life. But as I got older and I understand how business works, I'm like, well, I'm being taken advantage of. You know, yeah. People were like intellectual property. I, I heard that term through Reebok because they bought some intellectual property I created with somebody named Wayno. And I was like, the hell does that mean? Like, I never heard that term before. But so everybody was like, get this kid around. Cause he's going to bring the next kids around. Like I had a show with MTV. It wound up not coming out on air, but on that show, Rurigi was on that show. Now he has one of the biggest fashion brands right now. Like, like literally one of the biggest. 
And I was like, you know, I was with him. I was with him back in L.A. like 2010 when he was nobody. Wow. We were just all young kids coming up. But th- I, I was like, damn, that's what they always wanted me around. Like Puffy and all of them. They were like, yeah, bring him here so he could bring in another, all the other kids here. Yeah. Like, get our product on them. And yeah. Not knowing I could have just started a whole agency, signed all these people myself. So you're being used as like a, a mannequin, really. Like you're showcasing a lot of this stuff for people for free. Which All of us. Yeah, which now you would be getting paid a lot of money for. <laughs> yeah, if, if, I, if I knew the game better. But yeah. that was the start of the dark arts. Just how like people leeches and use you because once I had a bankruptcy and I lost everything, none of these people was picking up their phone calls. And then once you get back on your feet, it's like, hey, what's up, man? Where you been? We got cut you So, But, you know, that's the nature of the game. And you start learning how this game is played. And, and nobody's teaching you the real things you need to learn, like no. you're making money, taxes. and Absolutely. This conversation is wild because I say this all the time. We know from Think and Grow Rich. No, which, what's it called? That. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon Hill. He references, I think he wrote that book in 1928, if I'm right, or 1938, one of the two. Yeah. And he says then, as he writes that book, that the education system is out dated. Now that's all that time ago. And we're still certainly in the UK using the same, pretty much the same education system. It is outdated. We need to know about taxes. We need to understand bankruptcy. We need to know how to run our books. We don't really need algebra unless you're going to be a mathematician or a scientist and you're going to have to refer to those things. You don't need that. And like you mentioned there that you were bankrupt. No one, no one navigates you through that. You have to kind of learn as you go. So again, useful to understand from the lived experience later on in your life, but going through bankruptcy is, is, is I'm sure very, very tough. So how did that happen? Didn't pay the land tax. One year owning a home, my grandmother was dying and then she died. And then we were, um, she put us in the will. And in America, how it works is that all their bills go to you. So if you die, all your bills go to your daughter. Right. Okay. And then she don't know all the bills you got. Cause we didn't know my grandmother was paying for people's college tuition and stuff. So yeah. all that, and then the house was deteriorating. And then, yeah, we lost the house, which was a, which was a good thing. It was a great learning lesson. I needed that because it lets me know you don't really own anything. Yeah. If the banks or the state could come and say this and say that, and, and then you miss one payment and they can take it. Yeah. Oh, I don't really own it. And then yeah. you, in America, it's like you got to own the land rights, the mineral rights, the surface rights, the water it's rights. It's different over There's so much yeah. levels of it. And they make it look like the American dream is the car, the house. Yes. So. But anyway. But once again, like I said earlier, it's all a game. So even with the school, it's all intentional. My When I was in the eighth grade, my teacher told me this. My, my white teacher told me this. He said, the schools are meant to make sure you like work at McDonald's or whatever. Yeah. So it's not training you to think for yourself. No, you're right. But he said, he used to tell me, he said, Scott, you got to go out in the world and you'll figure it out. So that's what I learned. Like, as I got older, like, okay, this is all a game. Like says the game of Monopoly. The Matrix, yeah. In the Matrix. And you got to learn how to play it before it play you. Yeah. And once you unplug from it and understand it for what it is and not for what you want it to be, you learn how to move and you learn how money is fake. Yeah. Look, they, they during the pandemic, they were yeah. just giving checks giving out. Your digital numbers yeah. dropping in your bank. It's all made nowhere. up. Yeah. And once you understand... And that was the matrix. Like you could just, you could be what you wanted to be. Yeah. And that's what America is to an extent, which is a good thing. Yeah. America's built on for lie because if everything is true, then you can't do nothing. You yeah. can't fly. Yeah. But, yeah. But then, but then somebody invented the plane. Yeah. But at one point that was non-existent or like yeah. battery. Anyway. So once you understand just how to flow, you, you're going to win and you're not going to take everything so personal. It took me a long time. 
Yeah, but that's that's a tough that's a tough thing not to take things personally when I know that people have have you mentioned there an idea that Reebok basically took and then and then you know obviously must have made money out of or at least tried to and that was your idea. Yeah. So when people are stealing ideas or copying you, yes, it's a it's a form of flattery, but if it's your idea and someone's taking that and you're like, hang on a minute, like that's mine, yeah. you have to get through that anger that that sense of betrayal and that's happened to you a few times hasn't it where people have taken from you or you've lost things or whatever and people have you know uh, maybe manipulated you or whatever and I know that that's kind of been a big thing for you where you've had to overcome this level of trust that you probably had for people and learn how to go through that so talk to me a little bit about some of those moments as well because your mindset is different and it's because you've had so many of those experiences so remember when I said earlier, like growing up in, in the hood and all this violence and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm not special. Everybody's going through this. Yeah. That's where I'm from, from. Once you get up in business, it's the same thing as nothing changes as far as like um, Bill Gates snaked Steve Jobs. Yeah. Um, if you watch wrestling, Vince McMahon, he snaked most of Brett the Hitman Hart. Yeah. Is, that's old school. But in the music industry, artists get snaked all the time by their mm-hmm. labels, by their partners, by their managers, because they don't understand one word or two yeah. in the contract. So that's just the nature of the business. And then for me, working with a lot of people, like somebody like Mikey likes it ice cream, who I helped when he had nothing. He he was in debt because he didn't pay state tax. Right. So then I came through, we helped him get an investor. And then the investor and him just cut, not just me, me, Ray, Manny, they just cut us out. He couldn't even pay his employees. Um, payroll. Somebody named Ray was. I remember doing you that. working with him. I yeah. remember you working with him, and I remember you telling me, "Oh yeah, he's just basically cut me out." And he, he and- played all of us. Somebody told me this: you're going to need the three M's to survive. That's money, media, and muscle, because um, you know, of course, you need money to whatever, whatever, and then you need media because the pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah, and how people perceive you is how they treat you. Like Trump was good at that. And he, he used to tell reporters back in the day, I don't care what you say about me. Just make sure you put billionaire in front of me. Yes, name. I remember you saying and He that wasn't way. a billionaire yet. Yeah. And then you need muscles. So when people come at you and the muscle can mean like lawyers, all this stuff, you you, you prepared for those fights because you're going to go through some fighting. Well, Ed Sheeran actually has been caught so many times Boom. Uh, and he's won actually. Yes. And, and you're right with that. Like money, media, muscle is so important. Yeah. Um, and again, sometimes... The stuff that you say to me, I'm really absorbing a lot of it because because you have, uh, you see, most people need a Scott, but most people aren't lucky mm-hmm. enough to have a Scott, mm-hmm. okay? Because I, it happened by chance through social media, which I'm, I always say social media for me has been like, it gets a bad rap, but it's been yeah. phenomenal because I've met some un- unbelievable people. Yeah. Like I say, I always say to, to you, Scott, that you're like family to me because you create your own family in this world and definitely you have been fundamental as, as what I would consider family for me, even though you live Thanks. across the pond and we don't see each other. Well, pond. certainly because of COVID, it's a big pond, but we don't see each other as much because of COVID, but we were seeing each other a lot. In fact, it was funny because we were going away quite a lot together and seeing each other a lot. And I was saying to Scott, like, you live in New York and I see you more than I see some of my other friends. This is crazy. <laughs> but then COVID hit and we, we didn't see each other for ages. But the reason I talk about you so much and reference you so much, even with clients, I'm always talking about you because you say these kind of little snippets of information. 
it's just the sort of stuff that you don't get taught in school. Mm-hmm. You certainly don't always get taught in university. And if you don't know the right people, you're not hearing this information. Of course, everyone's listened to podcasts now. Yeah. And so these kind of things are being said more. But before, you know, when we met, we weren't hearing this information so much. But like, You'll reference, as you did there, music, wrestling, politics, books, podcasts. And, and, and as I've said before, you retain so much information and like you are the university. You have got all this. You're the oracle, the guru. And so much of what you say is so relevant. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you are. You can really transfer that information and use it somehow. So for you, you know, you learned the hard way. Because yes. people were taking off you, people were cutting you out, people were betraying you. How do you come back from that every time it happens? Well, speaking of the word university, uh, for you guys that don't know, the, the word university comes from the studies of the universe. And the point is that um, you come back from it by, my grandmother told me this, understanding that a caterpillar doesn't need to read a manual to learn how to be a butterfly. Yeah, that's and brilliant. And neither do you. So once you understand that, you're born with everything already. The world is telling you, you need school, you need this, you need that. My grandma would be like, no, you, t- the world gives you everything for free. It gives you water for free. Well, you have to build your own shelter and your own clothes. But outside of that, nutrition comes from the earth. That's free. Yeah, That's all free. And then you unplug from all these things that, 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 that they're telling you you need. Yeah. And um, after she died, like what most people in life, the words you just remember words and yeah. certain conversations like okay now it's hitting because i get it it's not going to hit me in that moment but it might hit me 10 20 years from now but yeah and not just her lessons people have taught me so much stuff i keep that with me as i go forward with everything i do but and and everything you do you know you make sure you do everything it's a better time now because this internet is, has made it equal for everybody yeah yeah. And, and and now you could get stories. And the reason I talk about all these aspects of life, because like like our favorite TV show, The Wire, it all relates. Yeah. The government relates to the police, police relates to the schools. Yeah. It's all a circle, the streets. Yeah. We all and it's all corrupt. Other. It's yeah. all corrupt. And I know that sounds very conspiracy theorist, but it's not meant to be. It's no. just factual. It is. We yeah. are lied to all the time. We are conditioned a certain way to suit that sociological need, you know, which is to keep us all working for somebody else who's taking a lot of money (laughs) as a result of that you have to and and this is where I was saying earlier about getting my trademark registered because I was learning from you yeah intellectual property own it you know once you've got that and you know what to do with it so my my goal with that by the way is to actually then move we have a creaky door yeah (laughs) <laughs> I said to you earlier, you know, this, this, this building is so old and things just happen randomly. So if you saw Scott's head twist there, it was just a door opening all by itself. <laughs> but going back to the intellectual property, my way of um, using it will actually be to train other people to do what yeah. I do because the way I work is so different yeah. to what a lot of therapists are trained in yeah. their college. As long as they're a registered mental health practitioner or working in the field of coaching, yeah. they can come and train and do what I do, mm-hmm. which is a very creative, but very successful process. Hence the reason I've got a three month, four month waiting list. And you know, and I've been able to buy this property and buy this clinic and do this podcast and invest in these things because I've done this a certain way. Mm-hmm. So what you taught me was own it and then give it to yeah. someone else. Let Learn them buy that from it. you. Yeah. yeah. And so the, this is what I mean. This is what I want to share you because there's so much about what you say that is so relevant. And okay, people might hear it 
in other ways, but you, you, you do it in one big box. Here's the box of Scott. Here's the training manuals. And it all just comes out when you speak. And I love that about you. Well, here's a quote that, um, people, the powers that be live by own nothing, control everything. Yeah. So control it, meaning you, you trademark and license and patent, wherever you category you want to be in. And then you wholesale it to, um, like Coca-Cola wholesales the syrup. They don't make the cans and none of that per country. Right. They find other, Red Bull does that too. Yes. They don't, um, because then it takes the maintenance and the responsibility and insurance and employees. Of course. Car, yeah. Trucks. Yeah. They don't got to deal with none of that yeah. stuff. What she's doing is important because that is how some of the biggest companies in the world have, have prospered for like a hundred plus years, you know, and you want to be into, so example, Calvin Klein is like a name and a name and rights agreement, trademarks. And there in America, I can't, I can only speak for America, but it got to be here too. There's over 4,000 categories and of course, more developed like podcasts and stuff. Yes. But Calvin Klein is selling to somebody just in underwear, somebody just in socks and then like beds, towels, paints, because Ralph Lauren, they do paint and they have restaurants, but they're not dealing with the day-to-day of that. No. They just own the name and then license it out. Virgil, who created Off-White, he didn't own off white or make the clothes. He just owned the word and then licensed it to new guys. See, that's group. phenomenal. I mean, I know that you know this stuff, and some people might know this stuff, but just to know that you can own the name yeah. and then you can do so many different things with one name and and re, a bit like data, you can repackage that name in so many different ways and sell it in so many different ways yeah. that it is endless, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. But Sha- Shaq is in it too. I don't know if you know that he owns Marilyn Monroe. Frank Sinatra, Bob Marley. So in the States, it got to be here too, but I'm just saying the States. You know, you have life rights. That's what's legal. Oh, okay. Owning somebody's life rights, and that's why they're alive. And then death rights after he died. That's okay. two separate okay. things. Okay, got you. So he owns everything after death, and he bought it from whoever he bought it from. Well, so Shaq, Sha- as in yes, Shaquille O'Neal, owns the death rights of Marilyn name. Monroe. Yeah. Did you Bob say- Bob Marley, Frank Sinatra. Uh, it's more, more classic. Now that blows my mind. I did not know that about Shaquille O'Neal. So yeah. Shaquille O'Neal, for those that don't know, and I'm sure you all know this, he's obviously a basketballer, yeah. massive in the 90s and 2000s, I think, maybe even yeah. the 80s. I, I, it must have been the 80s as well when he started his career. Why do people do that? Because obviously anything that's sold under that name, Marilyn yeah. he will take the money for. Um, no, her image. He owns oh, her body. Oh, the image. Okay, got you, got you. And there's levels of owning that too. So like Vince McMahon owns... Um, Rick Flair and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, yeah, and The Rock and all of them. He owns the likeness. That's why The Rock. That's why The Rock started using his real name, Dwayne Johnson. Uh-huh. Anything with The Rock on it, he owns. But he can also own mannerisms. You can own mannerisms. People don't even know that. Vince McMahon. I learned that from him. That's how he's a billionaire. It's not just so. Explain wrestling. that to me because that that does not that my brain goes. What on earth do you mean? <laughs> um, well, I say the mannerisms because The Rock used to do the people's. Eyebrows. Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Or he did the people's eyebrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you do that on TV, he can sue you for that. If wow. he owns it. I mean, if, as long as he don't own it like in the UK, which yeah, does. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I see what you mean. So if someone uses his trademark mannerism, yeah, then he the can body language, I yeah, mean. and then he sells it on video games and stuff like that. Wow, that's all per check. He's getting checked for all those little details. As I got more and more in business, I was like, okay, I see how these people are worth what they're worth. It's not just making a song or making a movie because now, like, it's you can make. Like the guy who did um Menace to Society, Tay Diggs. No, his name is not Tay Diggs, but the actor who said, what you say about my mama? 
Yeah. Huh? He just did an interview talking about international rights. And he was saying when the movie came out, he only got, he, well, he didn't know the difference. He's like, I got paid for the movie for domestic. Mm. Anything else. That movie went all over the world. That movie made billions. Actually, you know what? Friday is a better example. Ice Cube said his biggest regret was not owning Friday properly. That movie only cost $24,000 to make. No way. I think the average, the actor got 5000 the most, all of them. That movie has made like $4 billion. That's it's like crazy. Or That's crazy. It, but it's that simple. Because I remember uh, some time ago, actually, we were in Amsterdam. We were talking about a project you were working on at the time, Celebrity. Yeah. And at the time, uh, you were trying to get something so that artists, whatever media they were into, yep. could own uh, the, their products or their their work because yep. you know so many people and even more so now with streaming I don't get this whole industry really but you know how are people making money now because it, it just if you're streamed say a billion times on a yep. platform I know the platform's making money through advertising and you must be paid like a set fee I guess by the record in so how does it t- tell me how it works because I'm I'm blathering here okay yeah long story short um as of right now everybody gets paid Zero, zero, zero cent of a cent of a cent. Okay, no, no. This is how it works. I'm, I'm going to speak just for the music industry. Yeah. I don't know if you know that there's a strike right now in America. <laughs> right, a strike. Right, a strike. Yeah. Because they're trying to fight it too. Yeah. So let's say I'm Apple Music. We will allocate $10 million globally to all artists on our platform. Anything right. we make from subscriptions past $10 million is our profit. Got you. So this is why the numbers are never really the same. It's always like a zero, zero cent of a cent of uh-huh. a cent. Got because you. now at that point, that $10 million is based on how much times you stream, I stream, they stream. And of course, if you stream the most, you're going to get most of that $10 million I see. To be light with it. I see. And, and that's what Spotify and YouTube and all of them do. And Netflix too. They don't got to pay you royalties or nothing like yeah. that. They're just um, all like saying, boom. We making sixty million dollars a month. Let's allocate five million strictly to that. And so the rest is our profit. You got to be kind of lucky then. Say your song's got to blow up on TikTok or whatever mm. for you to then be streamed enough to make some decent money out of it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, if you care about the TikToks and the Instagrams and all that stuff. But um, if you move right, I think like in my opinion, somebody Vlad TV has one of the best business models, in my opinion. Yeah. Before the cameras came on, I was talking to someone about Vlad. Vlad will do a two-hour interview, and then he breaks it up into five, 10-minute segments. That way he's, he's and then that stretches him for like good four months. Yes. But that's just one. He And he normally has about 10 per day. He For like the past 12 years, yeah. he's never stopped. He spoke about it in a recent interview. I could send you the clip where you license the footage, and his minimum is 10 grand. He said, I don't care if it's two seconds, one minute. So he brought up Nipsey Hussle. Well, he said when he interviewed Nipsey Hussle in like 2011, it was worth nothing because Nipsey was nobody. You don't, he's like, you don't know what the future has in store. Fast forward, Nipsey passes away. He gets murdered. NBC, CNN. Yeah, they all covering All these networks it. needed content or B-roll footage. Yeah. So they reached out to him. He yeah. sent me like a million dollars just off of all that old footage that wow. you know, was worth nothing. Yeah. So he always talks about building a catalog of just data and content because you don't know what it's going to be worth yes. down the line. It's an investment. Your time is an investment, especially now. And it could be worth something in, in the long run, couldn't it? Especially if well, you're well, in that culture. Yeah. Everything is worth anything if you find somebody to sell it for yeah. properly. Yeah. Because yeah. you might not be able to do it. But yeah, like look at Tesla. Yeah. Like, um, Elon yeah. Musk didn't start Tesla. No. He took it. 
Yeah. Because the guys who originally had it wasn't doing good with it. They they created it. That was their baby. And then he bought the stocks and he basically fired them. Because in America, like I, if I buy all your stocks, I could like rehire a new CEO and get rid yes, of Yes. Yeah. And that's how he entered the company. Yeah. That's not his company though. Technically, like he didn't start it. And a, and a lot of people do that. Yeah. But my point is that Elon Musk is a salesman. Yes. Steve Jobs is a salesman. Yes. Donald Trump is a salesman. Yes. Everybody can't be Donald Trump. And I always tell people, you got to find... Like, like in the, at least in the music industry, Suge Knight had um, Jimmy Iovine. Russell Simmons had Leo Cohen and Rick Rubin. Mm. Dr. Dre had Jimmy Iovine with Beast by Dre. Yes, yeah. he's he's selling it, but Jimmy Iovine is doing the business side. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta. I don't think people, most people cannot be both. It's very rare. So find that person that's like, I'm gonna make this product. And then the publisher or somebody, you're going to help get it in the streets. Yeah. Get it in the stores. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. everybody can make water. Yeah. But Coca-Cola owns good. good so who's this? Do you know who, who's got this? Coca-Cola owns it. Oh, they own this. They bought it in like 2010. And that's how like 50 cent got yeah. $100 million. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we, we, we're holding up for those that are listening and not watching. Because those that are watching yeah. can see we're holding up a bottle of water. Um, and it is a bottle of water that shall remain unnamed in case I get sued. That own- no, you want to get sued? That, that's free press for now. Okay, yeah, it's smart. It's smart. Yeah. Well, now, now you've said that, yeah. it's on you if I get sued. <laughs> it's smart water and it's Coca-Cola that apparently own that. So, you know, these things are just, we, we take it all for granted, don't we? The, the, the bottle of water, there's a whole story and a whole, a lot of money behind this. But for you, there's still room for more information on this very podcast yeah. because, Scott, you have then become a media executive and, yeah. uh, you know, people that are watching this will see that Scott is shining bright like a diamond <laughs> with all this bling, 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 <laughs> which is really uncool of me to say. I don't think anyone says bling anymore yes, apart from the... Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm not as uncool as I thought I was. I, I just... Mean, now, they, they also, in America, they, they say drip. Drip. Um, this is my new word now. Water. I'm so, wearing, so I'm, I'm going to say you could see Scott. Am I going to say you could see Scott's drip? Is this what we're saying? Yeah, because yeah, to yeah. me, that has other connotations. A lot of drip. A lot of drip. A lot me. of drip. Yeah. Scott is very drippy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone says that. Scott McKenzie is a very drippy man. <laughs> Never, ever, ever copy me, anyone, because you will sound like a fool. No. <laughs> he's a drippy man, but he's also a, a very uh, diverse man in the sense that you get involved in lots of different businesses. You mentioned Mikey, who betrayed you, who was the ice no. cream man, but also you've worked with Pharrell and you've done all these different um, things. But now... McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah. I can remember one of the very first times that I physically met Scott and we were, I met him in London. He came over to visit and it was the very first time I'd actually met him in person. Up until that point, we'd only yeah, ever spoken on the, the phone. By the Shard or something. Like by the Shard. And we went for a coffee in Starbucks and you yeah. won't remember this because, well, maybe you will, but it, it was a very kind of interesting moment for me because we were sitting in Starbucks and you were just talking about stuff. I remember you plugging your phone in to the charger in Starbucks, yeah. right? And the reason I remember that is because at the time I didn't even know there were charges in places like this. I didn't know they had charging points because that's how, you know, old and fuddy did I am. But Scott knows what he's doing. He's plugging his thing and this is a few years ago. And he says something about marketing and you're like, oh yeah, because even the way they paint this shop, it's done for a certain reason. And of course you hear this, but I was like, 
yeah, you're right. Like we're not just, you know, we, we take it for granted wherever we go, whenever yeah. we go in somewhere, yeah. there's a particular reason that it's painted that color or set out in that way. And, and I think one of the things is, is that you just automatically think that stuff, wherever you go, whatever you do, you automatically think it's that stuff. So even here at Northampton Clinic, best clinic in the world, yeah. there is um, a gate at the side. And the reason I painted that gate in graffiti, which is uh, it's got a graffiti of a running person, a woman mm. actually, and a big brain on the gate. The reason for that is because this clinic has been here for like 130 years. It's the oldest osteopathic clinic in the country okay. uh, by I think it's 97 years old. It's got loads of multidisciplinary health practitioners here. Mm. We do all sorts of stuff, but that's not the interesting bit. The interesting bit is that when anyone ever came here, they'd be like, oh my God, I didn't even know you were here. Mm. Because we're in a, um, just to give that context for everyone listening, I'm in a very old street in Northampton. It's all Victorian houses and nobody really knew the clinic was here. It's like a, yeah. a kind of backstreet clinic in that sense. And so I thought, let me just do this big mural on the gate so that people see us and remember us when they go past. Yeah. And obviously that's just a tiny, tiny element of me trying to make sure that we're seen. And every business or every brand is doing that. They're trying to be seen, trying to be noticed. And you just think that way all of the time, don't you? That's just how your brain works. You just tune into everything, every detail, all of the time. Well, the powers that be are thinking that way. And that's what I said earlier. It's a, it's a game of Monopoly and, and, and they set the board and they plant these DNAs. Um, well, well, Starbucks has this DNA, the green color, or yeah. whatever, whatever. The supermarkets do it too. They, they know how to make you, they, everything is intentionally placed once you. May I ask a question? Yeah. You talk about the green bit there, sorry yeah. to put in, but they, you, their symbol is like a mermaid, isn't it? Starbucks. Yeah. Why yeah. the mermaid? Do you know? Cause that doesn't really resonate with coffee no, for me. I, you know what? Howard Schwartz, who start, who he did the same thing Elon Musk did. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know why. Cause he, he's not the original founder oh, of okay, Starbucks. He okay. bought it from the guys who. They was failing at the business. Yeah, so it's just example. there's a. I've always wondered why is the mermaid the symbol? I forgot why. I did. I did find out, but I don't remember why. But that, that's kind of those random little things that now I would never have thought before. Well, they're from Seattle. Ah, okay. Seattle is it's on the west coast and it's it's water based. Oh, so that makes more sense then. Yeah, something it's probably like something to do with that. But you want to, yeah, but you want to, everybody got their own DNA, right? Yeah. Somebody comes to you because you make them laugh, whatever, whatever. Yeah. You know, you might be sexy, something like that. Well, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> like, like, like an Instagram model or something, you know? I'm definitely but, not sexy. <laughs> but when people follow you, talk to you, whatever, they, they, they so you got to understand your DNA. And in yeah. business, I mean, life is business to me, but it's, it's all the same thing. But yeah, once I started expanding my horizons and, and just how this world works, I realized like, yeah, everything has its DNA. So like example, it, it's all we're going to relate what I'm about to say. When George Zimmerman shot Trayvon, the reason was he was wearing a, a, a hoodie, right? Yeah, because he said, oh, I thought he was carrying a gun. Yeah. But, the, but, but he, he wasn't. He on his head. Yeah, it was just a mobile phone, wasn't it? He uh, had a no, mobile Skittles. phone. Oh, Skittles. Yeah, Sorry, Skittles. my bad. So he's got Skittles in his pocket and this guy goes, oh, I, I thought he was carrying yeah. a gun. Yeah. And he approached him. Yeah. So during that time with those arguments, I used to tell people, I'm just going to talk about DNA. I said, what is the, what is the DNA of the hoodie? When have you ever seen the hoodie on a black man in a positive setting? Yeah. Now you don't, I don't agree with him killing Trayvon, but you got to understand that when people see these things, they, they're going to um, 
put it in a box. No, you're right. You're so stuff. right. Uh, that's uh, that, just to give you a very brief story. My yeah. brother, obviously, I'm white. He's white. Yeah. He uh, was visiting before before I didn't speak to my mum and dad, but he was visiting my mum and dad. And and above my mum and dad lived a, a little old lady called Doreen, and her son, who was an yeah. older man, was visiting Doreen. And my brother was standing outside and he smoked. He was having a cigarette. Mm. It was probably a naughty cigarette, just to mm. give a bit more information. But anyway, he was, and he had a hood up, and this man, uh, you know, just thought he was some sort of intruder because he had a hood up. Mm. And me and my brother actually on my birthday, we fell out over this because I was going, well, you know, Tom, if, if someone sees you with a hood up, they're going to assume. And, you know, I would feel uncomfortable walking along a dark street with someone with a hood up because you do that, de- like you say, that DNA, that kind yeah. of deep set conditional belief is yeah. someone with a hood up is dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And, and movies have, put that in our brain and our yeah. brain can only store so yeah. much information so then we'll just compartmentalize that's something. right yeah so example though but look at europe like england and as far as the image that i know you guys aren't aware of but like england puts out to the world rolex Rolls royce burberry jaguar 007 james bond yeah. jaguar yeah all these images make england appear a certain way and i also think when I first came here, I was like, you know, I get the concept of the royal family. They're a market employee yeah. for this country. Yeah. And not for you, but but for like white people, the powers that be, I feel like yeah. this is in their brain. They're like, yeah. because there's royal families that still exist now. Yeah. In Thailand and That's other right. countries. Yeah, yeah, they don't yeah. show them. No. But I, I could be home in New York and and the, the, the Prince Charles and them or whatever, they're yeah. all on the damn TV. Yeah. yeah, why, yeah. Why, why should I care about them? Yeah. But I get it. I get it. And, and what it is. So anyway, once you understand that now, when this country does something, it's worth more. You know? Yes. You, you can charge five times the price yeah. where China can or Haiti can or yeah. Jamaica can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but then, but example, how many of us will go to Pakistan? Yeah. There no. are good parts of Pakistan. There's good of parts of Syria. Yeah, 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 you're right. There's good parts of Ukraine, but yeah. that's not what they're going to show you. No, no, they're not. So you got to be, so once you understand the branding of things, you, you, you move accordingly. And for, at least for me, I try to have a consciousness of it because I'm aware that if somebody's never met a black person and they saw 50 Cent, yeah. they go, oh, man, they always just uh, wear do-rags yeah, and yeah, yeah. shoot each other Well, well there is this. There is this <laughs> unconscious bias, which I, I actually hate the word unconscious bias, uh, the words, because I actually think when it comes to race, there's not really an excuse anymore. We have enough exposure to all sorts of people of all sorts of cultures, but there is still this DNA, if you like, in people where racism still exists and it always will. And there's very little you can do about the mindset of certain people because it's in their families and it's in their daily conversations and so on and so forth. But you're right. It's the same with the royal family. Yeah. You know, we are conditioned to see things a certain way. I quite like the fact that we we have the royal family only because it is something different. It doesn't mean I agree with the way the royal family have conducted themselves over the year, years because, because I, I genuinely don't. But the story because everything is stories yes. and we, we really respond to stories. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what makes every culture different is the story of that culture. And we, we buy into stories. We just got to be careful that we're also telling the truth and that if we're going to have the story of the Royal family and everything else, we need to know the truth. Like, I think, I can't remember which diamond it is, but basically there's a diamond in that, you know, we've just had the king's coronation. Mm. He wore that very big crown. I don't know if you saw any of the pictures Mm. of it, but one of the big diamonds, I think it's a diamond, was stolen from Africa and it actually belongs to Africa. You know, and yeah, it's a beautiful crown and yes, it's the king's coronation and yes, it's all fancy and all that stuff, but we need to know the stories behind the stories. Yeah. So I'll say this, I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers 
with, with racism, but just so people understand. When Trump said they're bringing in drugs, they're rapists, he was talking about Mexicans, remember? Yeah, that? yeah, I do. He said that. Yeah. I'm with, my girlfriend's Mexican. I know. Our whole family's in the house losing their mind. I go on YouTube. Yeah. I said, let me show you something. <laughs> I'm not agreeing with what he's saying. Yeah. But if I'm a white person who don't know much Mexican, and I'm a wealthy white person, I don't yeah. really deal with no other yeah. culture but Yeah. Let me tell you why he would think that. I showed them wrestling. People forget back in the 90s, there was a Mexican tag team. I forgot the name. They used to come down, down, down the ring in a lawnmower. I show them uh, Family Guy, South Park. I just, I show them movies. Yeah. I said, this is the perception of yeah, your culture. Yeah, you yeah. can change it, yes. but you can't be mad at just Trump because he's not, that doesn't just come out of nowhere. He's yeah. seeing stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, things like Narcos and, and shows like that, that just show only the drug yeah, side of it. Yeah, you're right. You are right. And there right. is a richer culture. So now, and that's so why I, so I told them example, when El Chapo got caught, all the news channels said, Mexican drug lord El Chapo. Yes. When Bernie Madoff got in trouble, they don't say Caucasian white man, Bernie Madoff. <laughs> That's intentional. Because yeah. I need you, the people, to think y'all all like that. Yeah. Y'all y'all are all not like it's that. It's all controlled. And it's not somebody in uh, Switzerland's fault who generally don't know. Uh, um, just like um when the young black boy had the monkey King of the Jungle shirt on H&M. Oh, yes, 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 yes. God, that was a few years ago now, wasn't it? That was a big conversation. That was a big conversation. How could they not know? I'm like, listen, because I've traveled now, I understand the black experience is not the same everywhere. No, it's not. And I I don't know the black experiences with people in Sweden. Yeah. But example, like in England, I know y'all didn't go through lynchings and stuff. Yeah. So you're not going to relate the same way. So so I'm like, the, the monkey don't mean the same there that it means here. The same way y'all call cigarettes faggots. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That facts, word yeah. in America yeah. is a negative term. Yeah, and and the fanny pack. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fanny pack. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, you have the fanny pack, but obviously we call the vagina the fanny. See? So when we hear someone say the fanny pack, we're like, oh, <laughs> See? I fanny. Didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. We call cigarettes fags. Actually, yeah. I know you call gay people. Yeah, it's a, a detrimental terminology yeah. and so on. But I, I just try to tell people don't um. But the monkey thing, actually, yeah. I have to say here in British football. That is the same here. So in, in British football, you will hear monkey chants on a pitch repeatedly when there's a black football player. It's a massive, 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 massive issue. Racism in football is, people would like to think that it's not a big deal. It is. It's a massive, massive problem in this country. Racism is awful on in football. And the FA, which are the Football Association, aren't doing enough to combat it. And, and those monkey chants, they're absolutely horrifically used in this country and, and in the UK for footballers. And and actually kids at school, you know, you, you see this quite often. So, but you're right in other parts of Europe, I don't, I don't know. And we're not even in Europe now, but you know, yeah. in, in parts of Europe, I, d- I don't know the black experience. I don't know what it's like to be a Chinese person and say Italy. I don't know what it's like. Everyone's going to have such a different experience, but you're right. The control aspect of this is how we want you to see black people. This is how we want you to see yeah. white people. This is how we want you to think of England. This yeah. is how we want you to think of America. Until yeah. you travel and you have traveled, I know you've traveled greatly, actually, until you've traveled, you don't 
know. Yes. So that's where you have to have the lived experience. And that's what I was saying earlier about let's hear each other. Yes. Let's yeah. really hear yeah. each other and let's understand what we know about each other and what we don't know about each other because that's the only way to really live and learn. Talking about the diverse uh, knowledge that you have, it's yeah. also diverse in business. I mentioned Sewebity, which yes. actually sort of came and went, didn't it? Because of a, a time, I think there was a, I don't know if it was a team issue, a financial issue. There was It just never grew into yeah. what you wanted it to be. But what's great about you, Scott, is that you always have so many, again, being diverse. And I think this is, I want to highlight this for a reason. Diversity in business. So I'm a therapist. I own a clinic. I'm also doing a podcast. I've written a book. I've got my social media. So diversity in business, you can be lots of different things under one name, as we said earlier. And Scott, what I know about you is that you will dabble in lots of different areas. So sex industry is something you're very keenly interested in and have been involved in for lots of, lots of, the whole time I've known you. I seem to remember you having, um, a dildo made actually. No, I was just thinking that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on Amazon. I don't know what to type in and get it though. Yeah, so you have a dildo on Amazon. Molded out of me, yeah. Molded out of your manhood. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I was going to say the little Scott, but I know for a fact you're not a little Scott. No, no. no. And then I, I say I know for a fact as though I've seen it, just to well, confirm on, I haven't it's, seen it's on the internet. it. I put it on the internet. I've seen, I've I, seen an image, yeah. but I haven't seen it. I just want to make yeah, that yeah, clear yeah. to everybody that's listening. <laughs> we haven't gone there, but I know that. Uh, uh, You've also been involved in, like I say, the celebrity thing, which was about artists and creating a space for them to own their stuff. What has happened with that? What happened with it? So long. So to make it short, um, 2014 to 2019, I had a tech, a tech company called Celebrity. I was doing podcasting back in 2012 and I was telling people, this is the, free, this is the future. This is the wave. And it was just so hard to get people to, to invest in, in it. Um, at that time and then it blew yeah. up at the time I was I made a website in an app and it was much more expensive than to do these yeah, things yeah 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 and then um all in all everything we predicted came true yeah and you were the, just too early for it is um, that fair to say a, a little too early it's just you no know, you know what there was no business structure in podcasting at that time right properly the way it is now yeah like Joe Rogan got a hundred million dollars yes you know? um but one thing I see which is still a problem, but it is what it is, is that Spotify and all of them are like, oh, we could get all these podcasters and now we don't have to pay them publishing. We don't have to, we don't have to pay them royalties because they're not like music artists. Yes. They'll make content for free and yeah. give it to us for free. Yeah. And they're still eating off all the subscribers. And yeah. all I was trying to tell people was that we should treat, not just podcasting, I'm just saying that category, we should treat this all like the radio. The radio has to pay a mechanical royalty of nine cent per minute. Your song is on the air. And guess what? The streaming services could do that too. They don't want to because they yeah. know everybody don't know that. Yeah. And I'm like, if podcasts and everybody did that, the game, the game would change. But before like Netflix had did that documentary about the um, technology, it was called social. I forgot what it's called. Oh yes. I know. Yeah, they- I was talking about all that way before that came out. And uh, it's just hard to get people to, to listen because I get it. Was it was too I'm early. Not. It was too early, I think. But I also think because I'm young and I'm black and I, I don't mean that like to bring up race, but I when I went to Silicon Valley, I realized, you know. It, it's- but why don't you want to bring up race? Because I think that is part of your lived experience. So you should bring it up. It should be like, if that's your experience, that's your experience, Scott, and we need to hear it. No, I mean, it is because I just look at it like it is what it is. Like, so it, I don't know if you remember when that, there was a white lady that told LeBron James to shut up and dribble. I mean, yeah. I know what that line meant. And I feel like well, yeah, when I would go places in Silicon Valley and all that, it's just everybody be looking at you like you don't have the type of intelligence to even be thinking that, that deeply about stuff. So, you know, you live in that box. I, I've been to the banks. I, I, I asked the banks, like, you should partner with me. 
and and let's pay. It was just crazy. I was I was just more proud of myself. I was getting those types of meetings. I sat yeah. down with Mastercard, Visa. Yeah. I sat down with like all types of big, powerful people in the world. But everybody was just it, I, and they're older too. So I get like, what the hell's a podcast? I don't know that. It's but but you know, I'm going to tell you this, and I remember thinking this at the time when you were telling me that you were meeting with these people and and you were having this kind of experience of I'm proud of myself because I've got in front of these people and and I was like, yeah, that's so cool. And then you know. To know that people reject it just because you're a black man, you might say it is what it is, but I'm referring to James Elliott's podcast with me just a minute. Well, I say a minute ago, it went out this week. He says he hates that term. Mm. And I agree because I don't like this. Yeah, I don't like this. Yeah, it is what I make it to be. But I'm telling you now, I'm angry on behalf Mm. of you that people reject your ideas, which were doing basically paying people for their products, be it a podcast or whatever, and to allow people to have that space to earn some money off of their good work or whatever. And to be rejected because essentially and 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 it is this in your experience because you're a black man and they think you haven't got the intelligence to do this that is fucked up and it isn't it, it isn't to me anyway it is what it is it's a case of we need to change that narrative and we need to change it very very quickly because it's not okay because you are super intelligent and I don't like the fact that someone did that to you now maybe me saying that is completely out of turn because I haven't had your experience and I don't know what it's like to have that experience but I'm just saying that's how I feel and I, I am not somebody that has experienced that because I am five foot two, I am white and I am now blonde because I went very grey and dyed my hair. So, you know, I don't have that experience. I do know what it's like to be rejected as a female for not being skinny and beautiful mm. and all of those things because, you know, I'm a size 10 to 12 in yeah. the UK, is quite curvy. So, But I don't know what it's like to live with that generational trauma that you've had, you know, the experience of that you carry in your history and your DNA. And it pisses me off. Well, I'll say this, going back to the stereotype of the hoodie. Yeah. In the tech world, the stereotype is like, you got to look like Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, like you, a geek. I, I can look like a rapper to some people. I don't just yeah. like this all the time, but I'm making a point. So their, their whole thing is like, where's your t-shirt? Where's your, yeah. know, whatever he wears. Yeah, I do think everything is in, is in the packaging. And I was like, maybe I didn't package myself properly. Yeah, but then you shouldn't go changing for anyone either. This is who you no, are. No, no, definitely not. But look at The Banker. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Banker. It came out on Apple. Plus. I haven't seen it, no. Um, Samuel Jackson. Long story short, everybody should watch this. It's based on a true story of two black men who, who created their own bank in the 1940s during slavery. And they used the white man to be the front up the bank, like made him, he, 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 he supported black people. So they made him look like he owned it uh-huh. and they were buying all the real estate. They wound up going to jail, yeah. died in jail. Right. Like but it was a good film because when I watched it, I was like, that is the reality of it. Like they know I, I cannot do that as a black person. I need this person to be the look. And even as a female, you might need the man to come in because maybe if it's a, cause Oprah talks about that. If it's yeah. all these men in the room, yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. respecting yeah. you. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're famous like yeah. Oprah. Yeah. But even she says like, I'd be like, it's not even about being a black person. She's like, I'm the only woman. Yeah, yeah. I got to talk to all these executives about ideas. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, you learn. Like I said, it's all packaging. And and once you understand that, like I said, it's all a game. And now I understand how to play it. You know, now I have a better relationship with the banks. Yeah. And and I realized I didn't need to go to Silicon Valley to venture capital. I could have just built a relationship with my local banker. Yes. The way... The Chinese people do it when yeah. they come to America. They and the Indians when they want to build laundromats in the hood. Yeah, they go to the small banks, borrow money from them, yeah. start a Chinese store. Yeah. So now I'm I'm in that space, but but so this company was my biggest win, even though it was my biggest failure, because it made me understand how to be even more self reliant. Yes. Was the, the, the biggest lesson college can even teach me this. 
And it forced me to realize how much I could get done because every time I needed the money, because my fir- the first four people I hired to do the app, they stole the money. They wanted a 10 grand deposit and then I never heard from them again. So then I'm like, okay. So the app world is snaky, sneaky, yeah, and yeah, fake yeah. developers, yeah. Of, you know, it's people selling you, they just tell you what you want to hear and then they take your money. Yeah. Because honesty and integrity and authenticity are the three things that I live by. Yeah. And you do get you do meet people and you think, oh, this person's the real deal. And it turns out they're just full of smoke and mirrors. But I know you've had that experience. However, right now, going back to that kind of the way you diversify, sex industry, jewelry industry, tell me about the other stuff that you're doing as well. So as of right now, so Webby led me into the venture we have right now. We have a company called River Phoenix Acquisition Agency. And we basically are in like the mergers acquisition category of stuff. If you heard Hertz Corporation, they bought Complex. They partnered with Verizon in the States to buy Complex Media, which is a hip hop media. Vivendi, which is based in France, owns Universal Music Group. And the Universal Music Group owns Drake and all these artists. So I look at myself as like, I want to be Black Stone Group, Black Rock Group. I want to be a shadow bank. But we don't necessarily get funding or even pay people funding. Just like Sean Parker with Facebook, I could connect people to it because that's what I've done most of my life. Yeah, you are a connector, definitely. And when I saw the Social Network movie, I realized, wow, I'm Sean Parker. And for those that don't know Sean Parker, he created Napster. Napster failed. He got with Mark Zuckerberg. He said, I could get you billions of dollars. It's in the movie. Justin Timberlake played him. And he said, out of that deal, I want 10%. That 10% wound up, he wound up getting $2.6 billion. Yeah. He took that money and started Spotify. Yes. And that was his redemption from Napster. Yes. So when I look at Sean, and he's done more, but that's just a big, the bigger story. So when I just look at Sean Parker, I was like, oh, I'm Sean Parker. I yeah. did that for free yeah. <laughs> all the time. Yeah. I never asked for nothing in yeah. return, but no, no, that's foolish. So anyway, because, you know, we we all are one idea away from being multi billionaires you know yeah it ain't hard these days no you know once again it's all in the ip yeah you own it ray Kroc took mcdonald's from the mcdonald brothers yes most people that get rich is not off of their ideas it's because they saw it they took it from somebody else yes i mean and even like sorry go back to like mexican culture taco bell chipotle those are white people that own it yeah they just go to and, and 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 that's what makes England win too as a country for like yeah. four hundred years and what for stealing English. things you mean? I mean, well, t- to me it's like um, look, I, I had a Jewish boss and he said in marketing they call it R and D, research and development. Yeah, he said the Jews call it replicate and duplicate. <laughs> we don't do nothing new under the sun. We let y'all do that, and yeah. I had to respect it. Yeah. This man named Solomon, he own he owns a company called Vita Group. He told me the biggest lessons in life. He said the difference between the rich and the poor is the rich know the value in their name. And the poor know the value and they work. IP, the name. Yeah. And um, he also told me, and most people might look at it as racism, but I'm like, no, he's being honest. He said, listen, we're the brains, you're the feet. Our yeah. job is to think it and your job is to do the damn work. But he paid me the most I've ever been paid in my life. Wow. And he, and, he, and he paid all these other black people the most they've ever been paid. Because he'll yeah. just write you a flat check and go, oh, you, you got this trademark IP for this uh, psych, psychiatric stuff? I'll buy it right now. Right. Because he's going to know how to sell it. Yeah. Everybody not going to know how to sell it. So anyway, he made me see that part of it. And 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 that's what River Phoenix does is we just, whatever you need help with, especially if you have traction. But if you don't, depending on the product, I could work it out too. We can take you to the next level. Because Mikey Likes It was a friend of mine who was making ice cream out of his home. And then we helped him be a brand separate from the ice cream, the way Virgil is a brand separate from Off-White. Yes. And he can do something with Nike and Louie and, yeah. and Off-White is like his own thing. Yeah. And he was the only ice cream man with a sneaker deal. He was on CBS Sports as like a regular, I guess, anchor journalist. And then 
this is this is just an ice cream man. So I was like, yeah. I'm always just like, don't look at it one way. You know, if, if we are growing lemons, we can make um lemon water they can make lemon uh fabric softener yeah they can we could because because um there's a company called jivadon and they own flavors wow they sell flavors they have patents to flavors you can do it too though you know they own the seeds to like tomatoes and stuff Uh, uh, with monsantos and um dupont and there's another big brand that does that but and they like gmo it but the point is like in the states i don't know how it is out here nestle and coca-cola own wells yeah. Oh, they call it water banks. Yes. You can, the water banks in America go for $200 a year. Mm. People don't know that. Like, so if you got a good water bank around your neighborhood, they'll just buy it and then they make the water from that. And then they'll say it's from Poland or they'll say it's from <laughs> Italy, like yeah. San Pellegrino. San Pellegrino is not from Italy, it's from Michigan. But, you know, the, you know, the average person don't know. But it goes back to the story. Yeah, it goes back to the story. Diamonds are, are, not worth anything. I'm oh, so we partner with a jeweler, and I shouldn't even be saying this, but I'm being real. It's just a story you're buying into. Yeah, it ain't really worth anything. No. They they send it here and they mark. I've been to Africa. I've seen how much jewelry costs out there. It's pennies on the yeah. dollar. And also, I, I'm I'm not down with the diamonds. I will never re- yeah. I will never wear a real diamond because yeah, I know that kids are losing arms and legs over it, and that's just not where I'm at. And, and nobody want to talk about that. No one want to talk about that. But, but I because, I can't help talk about that because I will never wear a diamond. You will never catch me wearing a diamond. But you see, even to go back earlier, what I said with like all the conflict and stuff. I went through trauma and stuff. Yeah. There's conflict chocolate. Yes, I know you, and that's where you, and you can think you're buying something that's fair, yeah. only to find out, like fair trade or whatever, or ethical sourcing, only to find out, oh, actually, we were lied to because the story, the story, the yeah. story, the story. We buy into stories we did from day one. Disney, you know, we buy yeah. into the Disney princess. How many women are looking for their prince because they yeah. believe that Disney is how? Because we were all fed the Disney stories. Yeah. There is no prince. You've got to be your own prince and the princess all in one person. And then you attract the person that aligns with you. Don't look for a prince because he's going to be flawed too. If you look perfection in anything, whether it's a person, whether it's a product, you're going to be disappointed. You've got to keep it real. Listen to the story, but then break it down and see what's actually real. That's why I don't think, at least me, I don't participate in like social justice warrior stuff I see online with this cancel culture stuff. Because guess what? You drive a car. That gas comes from Nigeria. Yeah. That is one place. And yeah. guess what? Those people are getting killed and got to do, you know, their, their crops. It's, yeah. it's on YouTube. Their crops yeah. get destroyed yeah. because of those shell, BP. Yeah. yeah. You can't even drive a car because the, 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 um, the minerals come from, um, Congo, Africa. Well, you know, someone, I can't remember what I saw it on now, but it was, someone was talking about slavery and they were saying, you know, oh no, I don't, I wouldn't buy anything. You know, a bit like me talking about the diamonds there. I wouldn't buy that because of, you know, and then someone went, do you eat food? Do you drink water? Do you wear clothes? Because if you do, the chances are you're a part of it. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know, however ethical, you could try to be ethical. You could try to be fair. You can try to be informed, but you'll probably never know the real truth because as we were saying before, we are being lied to all the time. So we're doing that. And, and also music industry. You were working with... Uh, a Boogie. A Boogie, and, um, yeah. I just was part of with Brother Hassan Sharif doing tour management with Jada Kiss, A Boogie. Now Ashanti, what he is. All in all, but I've worked with other artists too. But all in all, we did verses and we made some history with Dipset versus The Locks. We did production on that. So just responsible for like 
from higher insecurity to car service to where the where the camera's gonna be, sound engineering, um, which I don't know, but we we hired those yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Like so what you were saying earlier, you bring people in. I just bring people together to yeah. get the job done because everybody don't know how to outsource that, especially globally, like when you're traveling and it, I don't know, it could be anything, you know. Bulletproof vests um yes, because in hip hop, you know, you, you need you need like bulletproof cars and stuff. People don't really know where to get all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You're the man you that can. You're the man yeah. that can. And that's kind of that's your unique selling point, I guess, is that you uh, from what I've known of you, for as long as I've known you, you've just brought shit together. That's yeah. what you do. I don't know how to even put it in, in words when people ask me what I do, because we there's nothing we don't do. Yeah. And and now, like lately, being in the food industry, yeah. which is my favorite industry, because who don't like to eat? But but the the joy I see when people eat and the networking that's done on with a plate of food, I'm like, I want to. I, I was with a, a chef yesterday, and we were talking, and she's from New York. So when we oh, get wow. back home, we're gonna reconnect. How cool! But she, yeah, the food industry is is a beautiful industry. I love restaurants and stuff, and I want to be more in that. Yeah, and I, I want to work on making product high-end good products yeah. you know because you eat clean and i want to focus on people eating clean because i am i am eating more clean and yeah but how do we mass produce it and and get more people away from junky stuff yeah, yeah junky i don't want to like judge people and say meat and stuff but yeah yeah, yeah. whatever's bad yeah 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 whatever we perceive you know sometimes talking about me although i don't eat meat as you yeah. know um and that's more of an ethical choice for me again but it's a, we will go down that rabbit hole another day you know i also know that there's a lot of very important nutrition from me as long as it's good sourced meat and I know that a lot of people need meat so I'm not like oh you're a bad person if you eat meat but just generally eating clean yeah. whether you're vegetarian vegan pescatarian whatever you want to call yourself just eating clean and nutritionally is important isn't it yeah it's, it takes a toll on your body look I feel like this is the first time in our lives we're seeing people die so young yeah I mean, I'm seeing people get cancer I, like from my high school I know people that got cancer by the time they were 30 and yeah, one in two people will get cancer. That's the that's the reality. That's the statistic. But I feel like when I was growing up, it wasn't this frequent. Well, we're looking at things like pollution, stress. Yeah. Stress is a massive, massive, massive cause of all disease because cortisol is corrosive. Cortisol is your stress hormone. It's corrosive. It creates acid. Acid creates inflammation. Where there's inflammation, your body's got to work harder to stay alive. So it takes years off your life. Mm. Match that with poor nutrition. Match that with um, pollution. Match that with yeah. you know not moving your body. Then you've got a bit of a time bomb, and that and that's why we see yeah technology yeah. So we've got one in two people with cancer. So we have to learn how to live our best selves, our best lives. But you know, health, mind, body, soul, all of that stuff, which is what this show is all about. And that's why I think laughing helps. And um, yeah, la- laughing, <laughs> laughing, sex, food. You know, if you yeah. can do all three at the same time, yeah. then you're winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you can do. Yeah, yeah. you can do. You can and I'm sure you have done. <laughs> yeah, you can pour some chocolate on somebody's booty and lick it. <laughs> and then laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you're doing it. Not recommending that, but if you do do it, let us know. <laughs> oh, in America, they're doing everything. You know, the women eating guys' booties now. It's yeah. Great. They call it toss a salad. Or, yeah. Um, actually, it's a new slang in the black community called... um 
taking him to the Gucci store. Oh, I just I just learned this. Like oh, that's how old I'm getting. I'm like, taking what the hell's him, a Gucci store, and that's them going do something to his anus. Well, they call it the Gucci licking between the balls. And oh, the I see. So, so then the girls say, I, see. I, "I want to take you to the Gucci store." Oh wow! I've been seeing this on Instagram. I hope these girls are making sure these guys are showering before they go anywhere. I want to make sure that's happening. Well, that's because gonna, these girls need to have that in a contract. Wash yeah. your butt. I, well, I would assume so. I mean, before when we get off the camera, I'll show you um, Suzuki. This girl is like, she's my favorite right now because she, she's just an entertaining character and going to. Oh, story. I see. I see. In America, you know, everybody's a is a damn entertainer or a personality. Yeah, you know? I'm just saying Trump because he he's a personality. Uh, but on that note, by the way, yeah. I know we're talking about buttholes, but yeah. and that's why I'm thinking about Donald Trump. What do you think about his new campaign? Uh, to be president again. What well, what do you think is going to happen there? Look, this is my opinion. I don't got. I don't care neither about Democrat Republicans. But um, I think he's going to win. Uh oh. I, I don't think Biden um has strong legs to stand on. I'm just going by what the public is feeling. Yeah. Especially because the country is not doing good right now. And was it doing better with Trump? Actually, I mean, yeah. Everybody e- was get, everybody was get, getting money or giving money, and outside of this, his, his antics and stuff. I mean, I mean, look. It, it, People feel Barack Obama ain't doing enough. People feel Bush ain't doing enough. People gonna feel like you don't do enough. Yeah, you, your people that work here, you know. You well, they actually, stuff. they actually you know think I'm phenomenal. So, but, no, but you had, you've I'm not had starting any with some people. Oh, oh previously, yeah. oh yeah. yes, not now. Yeah, so yeah, sure, the, yeah. As the leader, it's, everybody's not gonna gonna yeah. mess with you. Yeah. It, it's life, you know. Do do your best. I try my best not to judge because I don't know what it's like to be president, and I don't, and I try my best not to judge. Any job title, unless I'm going to be it. So that way, just like we said earlier with people's stories, like, yeah, I, I'm not in position to judge because I've never been a cop or I never. Yeah. So, Scott. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, don't. You never need to apologize for me. This has been the most phenomenal couple of hours of my life. And I'm so glad we did this. And I would like to think that anyone that's enjoyed this episode will go and follow Scott at Sugar Daddy Scotty TV. On Instagram. Instagram. And daddy's with a Y. I-E. Oh, no, it's no, with no, a Y. Yeah. So Scotty's, Scotty's with an I-E. I-E. So Sugar Daddy with a Y, Scotty with an I-E yeah. TV. So that's where they can find you. Yeah. Although I do have to say this, and I'm just going to do a warning with yeah. that, oh. is sometimes <laughs> sometimes Scott's Instagram is a little bit hot. His stories can include a lot of bootay, yeah. a lot of shaking of the bootay. Not his, just lovely. guys too. And, and guys, he does, he does quite artistic stuff. Mm. But also he often changes his Instagram handle. So like oh, yeah. one minute you're there, the next no, minute you're this. gone. Keep, you're going to keep this one. I keep getting deleted too. So, oh, so he keeps getting deleted because... Get the same name. Yeah. So, so if you do follow him, the chances are that you'll lose him at some point. <laughs> well, I'm, I've actually been very... I'm trying my best, but these days Instagram is so anal. I said I hate my job or something like that. And they told me I was violating the guidelines. I was like, just this oh. thing is crazy. You can't even say certain stuff. No, it is it's heavily censored now. Yeah. Heavily censored. But you know, if that's what if you want to see what he's doing, do that. And hopefully we will do more of these. I mean, Scott is all the way from New York, but and I wanted him in the studio simply because the online stuff just doesn't you can't get the energy as good. And there's always delays and Wi Fi issues and so of on. Of course. And so that's I was so grateful. Here. You you know, you coming here. Especially to Northampton, because not only have you traveled from New York, yeah. you've traveled from London to Northampton. I took a two-hour train ride. Yeah, here. yeah. So he's just he's just been so on a mission 
to get here. And I really, really appreciate that. So I want to thank you. And I want to thank you for this episode, but I'm sure there's going to be more because we literally have, we literally have covered like a, a fingerprints worth of your life in yeah, this one I'm episode. Sorry. There's so much. Well, again, you can't be I'm sorry. All over the place. We know. <laughs> <No, yeah. laughs> I'm all over the place. Just you've done so much. It's impossible to cover it all in this episode, but I think we've touched on the beginnings and the ends of where you're at. We just need to fill in the details another time, no doubt. Yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, I'll fly back. I'll take a jet just to come see you. Then go this back is home. what I mean. He's so he's so fly. He just he just I yeah, wish. I'll be here. <laughs> I, <wish. laughs> so I did that for you. You know, I did it for Lionheart one time. Yeah, you, you, I must admit, you, uh, b- before we finish up, guys, I'm going to say this. Like, Scott is committed to the cause. If he, mm. if he sees what you're doing and likes you as a person, he's going to give you everything he's got because that's just who he is. A very generous man with your time. I'll so I'm trying. just, I'm just appreciating that. I mean, if you guys and uh, anybody who watches this is special because you know she's the boss, like Rick Ross, like, there's nothing greater. So and I do believe she's going to change the world for the better. And that's why she's needed. And I would encourage everybody to water her as much as possible, protect you as much as possible. Because you said it was three stabbers out here. So we got to make sure, you know, we slam anything that's coming in our way. Oh, you are so kind. For real, for real. I genuinely love you. Genuinely. Yeah, you too, gangster. Oh. Well, guys, that's it from me and Scott. Bye-bye for now. Peace and love. <laughs> <laughs>